You're listening to Public Safety First, a podcast to help you learn about the First Responder Network Authority and how you can be part of the future of public safety technology. And now, your host. Welcome to the Public Safety First podcast. I'm Lori Stone, and I serve as the Senior Public Safety Advisor for the Mid-Atlantic with the First Responder Network Authority. And I'm joined today by Teddy Cavallari. He's the Chief IT Officer for the District of Columbia's Office of Unified Communications. OUC, as it's called, provides centralized district-wide coordination and management of public safety voice radio technology. OUC has been on FirstNet for about a little over a year, and we're really pleased that Teddy could join us today. Welcome to the podcast, Teddy. Thanks for having me. Let's start with learning a little bit more about you and your background. Tell us how you got involved in public safety communications. I've been working with OUC and the district a little over 15 years now. I came in as a wireless consultant to support um, a public safety radio system upgrade back in the early 2000s. I was part of a, a large uh, engineering team helping build a 10-site citywide system that combined police, fire, and EMS, and about 20 other district agencies that were using the radio system in the district. You've seen OUC grow in, in size and scope over the years. Can you tell me more about OUC and its operations? Yes. So the Office of Unified Communications, that's the name, is a truly unified communications agency. Uh, we not only handle 911 emergency and emergency calls, but we also handle 311 city service calls. Our agency also provides um, public safety communication support for the police department, fire and EMS, homeland security emergency management, and about 20 other district agencies. We also support in our public communications with the regional and federal partners and jurisdictions uh, that work uh, across borders with the district. The district handles close to 1.4 million 911 calls, about close to 2 million 311 calls. Uh, we, we have over 10 million push to talks on the radio per year. Uh, we support the mobile data computers for police, the police department users and fire EMS users. Uh, so, a truly unified communication center. That's quite a workload. How many people work at OUC? OUC cl- has close to 400 employees between multiple divisions, between 911, 311, um, IT, administrative staff, uh, training, transcription unit. And you have call takers and dispatchers there answering not only 911 calls, but you talked about 311 or non-emergency calls, city service calls. Can you tell me a little bit between... Who calls 911 and who calls 311? What would be the difference? A little bit on the 911-311 split. So 911, we have a universal call-taking system. Call-takers can handle police, fire, and medical call. Um, the same person is trained, fully trained to handle all three protocols, <clears throat> as well as uh, our agency handles police dispatch, or fire and EMS dispatch, all civilians and members of the OUC. Uh, on a 311 side for city services, we handle close to 2 million calls that come into the system. We generate close to five, 600,000 events out of those. Um, we handle city service requests for over 14 agencies right now, including public works, uh, Department of Transportation, some Department of Health calls, um, and information, citywide information calls. You know, uh, people calling in to get information for numbers for an agency or hours of operation for an agency. So we handle all of all those type of calls for the city. It's quite a, a scope and variety of calls you all handle. Now, you all decided to sign up for FirstNet service about a little over a year ago. Can you tell me why your agency decided to join the network? Yeah, the OEC working closely with uh, the, the city's uh, office of the chief technology office. 
we have been involved in testing and validating broadband technologies for a number of years. I would say over 14, 15 years at this point um, that uh, we had a pilot system in the city that we tested for a number of years. We were one of the, the, the 13 or 14 jurisdictions that was kind of piloting uh, you know, broadband type solutions uh, before FirstNet. And we were fully supportive of the effort of trying to get something like FirstNet in place when um, uh, public safety agencies were lobbying uh, Congress. And, and we were happy that it got approved and got funded and a vendor were selected to get it done. So it was a big, big win for public safety, at, at least from the OEC perspective. Because we see the value of it. We've, we've always used broadband technologies outside of radio. Uh, radio handles critical voice technology, voice communications, but the data portion of it, uh, we had relied for almost whatever, uh, at least since I've been with OUC and even before that, uh, on a commercial provider for that data connection for AVL, uh, automatic vehicle location, or CAD data into the vehicle and the laptops and tablets that, that are in the first responder vehicles. So this, this was a big win for public safety, having a dedicated broadband capability that has priority and preemption and a lot more control, you know, at least the ability to be able to get information when there are outages and a 24-7 dedicated help desk for us if there's an issue to call in and get information on the specific public safety uh, network um, rather than competing on the commercial systems. Had OUC experienced any uh, issues that really brought about the need to have FirstNet? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'll give you an example. During the Navy Yard shooting years ago, one of the complaints that we were getting and a lot of public safety agencies were having was the ability to be able to communicate. Nobody that responded to the incident or was close by supporting the incident. Majority of the users had a hard time being able to even send email, let alone pictures and video. So there was limited data communication around the Navy Yard incident because so many users were hogging up on the available radio channels in that area. You know, July 4th, um, when you get a lot of people, you know, 500,000 people on, on the National Mall, you will, you, you know, you start degrading the, the capability to have data communication. So we've been involved in trying to either build or leverage a solution like this for a number of years. There's a huge, huge value and benefit in having a, a dedicated public safety network, broadband network. And we've tested it and it worked. We've used it in a number of events and incidents. We've worked with partner agencies like Farney MS and SEMA and Octo to test and validate um, uh, that this, this will meet our needs for uh, large events. I'm glad you mentioned the Navy Yard shooting. It was coming up on the seven anniversary, seven year anniversary of the Navy Yard shooting. And communications has definitely changed. We, we've had FirstNet come on board with our partner and we've seen other improvements in LMR systems overall too. When you look back on, on that time period, what, what do you see as standing out mostly as what's improved? For public safety communications? I would go back to uh, this dedicated broadband access for public safety, right? Not only do we have a dedicated spectrum, but the structure between FirstNet and AT&T have an access to all the available bands on AT&T commercial as well as the band 14, which gives us a flexibility to be able to be in anywhere um, and take advantage of the vast AT&T cap uh, capability and infrastructure. And it's stable, um, it's, it's more secure. We have access to for support. We have access to get additional information if we see issues and challenges from an, an, an end user. As we plan on expanding our users, we have access to the, not only that 24-7 support, but a dedicated team that we actually talk to every few weeks to 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 talk through challenges. Or if we notice something that we expected to work didn't work, that team gets engaged and they're engaging their level two and level three engineers 
to try to determine what the issue was and how to fix it and get it get it done in a short period of time. So I, I think that's the biggest value of what we're getting out of it. I'm glad you mentioned that that customer support and that attention to your issues that you know might crop up over time. Tell me a little bit more about how OUC is using first. We started with the, the, the cell phones uh, that are issued to employees, um, and we, we validated that, that that was working. We worked through some tweaks that we needed to do. That is expanding now that we've expanding it to the telework team. We got, I would say, about uh, close to 40% of our 301 staff uh, teleworking at this point, and we put them all on uh, AT&T FirstNet MiFi's, and we're looking to continue to expand it into our mobile data computing environment so we can take advantage of the same capability. You said about half of the 311 staff are now teleworking, otherwise known as remote operations. How has that transition been? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, due to COVID and the social distancing recommendations that all of us are living through, we wanted to make sure that was also available in our call center environment. Uh, We manage uh, two call centers and then a mobile command vehicle that can accommodate about 17 seats. So what we what we did was we try to separate one employee from uh, where the next person is sitting. But even with that, with the number of staff that we have at any given time, that wasn't enough. So the teleworking capability is what is giving us that leeway to be able to truly provide that social distancing in the call center environment. So setting it up like anything else, you know, 911 and 301 systems were, were in, in majority of jurisdictions were not set up for remote work. So we, we had to figure out a way to make sure that um, the systems that we have can extend into a remote environment and have a capability to transport that, that traffic into our environment and in a safe uh, and secure manner. So we work closely with our partner agency, uh, Octo, the Office of the Chief Technology Office on VPN access, and then we're leveraging the, our first name, um, MiFi devices to basically be able to route that traffic from uh, the employee's home or remote work into our infrastructure in a secure manner. What kind of testing and validation are you doing to ensure that calls are reliably routed and handled? You know, majority of call centers, and particularly here in the district, I mean, we we definitely look at data. Uh, we had a we had a big data user. We have KPIs that are set up for the agency that we strive to meet at or exceed. Which majority of the time, we've done very well meeting them or exceeding those uh, uh, key performance indicators. Uh, we got. Uh, for 911, as an example, we try to answer 90% of the calls in 10 seconds. Uh, that's been a standard that we've had for a while, uh, which we mostly meet. And for 311, we try to get to 90% of the calls, 90 or 70% of the calls in, uh, in 90 seconds. Our management team, both on the 911-311, have the, the capability to be able to see performance for the previous day, as well as the current day. Um, they have a, an ability to be able to see if we're meeting those KPIs or not. Now, what has been the reaction from staff who are able to work remotely and don't have to come into the call center? I think it's been great. I mean, I think telework is a challenge for everyone that doesn't do it every day. Um, Our environment, we we were set up to be on-premises. Um, handle 911, 311 dispatch. So it's been it's been a learning curve for everyone, uh, from from the management team, IT team. And our operations team on the 301 side, um, as well as other teams like our telephone reporting unit, uh, who can handle requests for police reports remotely. So it's been a learning curve. But overall, I, I think this was, was a success. We have a hotline and email account that was created for our remote workers. If they have any issues, they, they can send it in. 
Uh, we have IT staff available 24-7 to monitor those uh, those requests for any type of uh, system issues or access issues. And we work, we uh, we tried it and try to handle the, the first two levels and we, if we're not able to handle it. We will either work with our partner agencies or our vendors um, that um, that can help us figure out those challenges. So far, we're not we're not having any major issues. Our training team has done a pretty good job, and I have to give credit to our frontline employees that are doing this uh, remotely. We handle a lot of calls every day, so fortunately, the environment has completely changed. You're not sitting in front of um, a designated um, position that was set up for a call handling in a call center, you're working off a laptop and a headset and you have to work through a wireless connection. And what we've heard so far is people are doing good with it. Um, and and we're not getting a lot of negative feedback. That's really good to hear. I can imagine their job has changed dramatically in the last few months with COVID-19 and, and the amount of calls and questions they get in. Have you all been taking those kind of calls? And, and what is the process that your call takers and dispatchers? The great thing about having robust 301 uh, solution in any jurisdiction is the ability to add on things as needed. COVID-19 COVID has been uh, one of those challenges. We work very closely with uh, our, the district's Department of Health. They set up a hotline to be able to handle uh, requests citywide for all types of things including testing centers, uh, how to get your test results, a meal delivery for folks that need those type of services. We work very closely with them to set it up on our 311 system and be able to uh, do recordings and integrated voice recording systems and call trees. Uh, we're able to reroute calls to uh, a third-party vendor that Department of Health was able to, to, to procure and have in place, and as well as our staff, uh, we provided additional information that if a 311 call comes in, they're able to triage the call and be able to route it to the right place or be able to provide the appropriate response. So it's been great. This, is, this has been a great partnership. I like that you mentioned how 311 has been had the ability to expand its operations. How do you see then this network really kind of helping expand that technology landscape um, for 911 or even 311 call takers in, in our region? Yeah, having a nationwide interoperable network is something that the region has strived, and I, I believe the whole country has strived to get to. Um, you know, years and years ago, it used to be a patchwork of interoperable patching, if you, if, you, if you can imagine, from radio to radio system to radio system. There was no direct radio. I can't take my radio and drive 30 miles and jump on the next jurisdiction's radio and still be able to communicate back into the district system. So what, what FirstNet has done is that nationwide interoperability, I can take my device anywhere in the country and still be able to get back into my home network in a secure manner, um, which is a big, big change for public safety. We got a lot of systems that need to be secure and I need to communicate in a very secure manner. Um, and, you know, this solution is providing that capability. And how the region will benefit is there is an interoperable secure network. And as more and more jurisdictions adopted, and if they decide to switch over, the benefit of it is we can start peeling off some of the added, uh, you know, network infrastructure that we put in to secure that communication from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So there's a, there's a lot of growth that's going to come out of this, as well as the ability eventually to be able to do some things such as um, 911 from a remote environment. So these are the kind of things that we're looking to hopefully get into in the future. That's a great thing to hear. Do you all have plans for additional advances 
to improve your services? Um, as we do uh, expand our first net devices and, and our mobile data computer uh, solutions for our first responders, we're going to be able to backhaul not only the, the data that writes on those computers, but other other items, something like a narcotics box and the ability to be able to monitor that narcotics box through disconnection from the vehicle, maybe through a rugged mobile router. Those are the kind of things I would look into do. If we gave you a crystal ball, Teddy, and you had to look into the next decade of where public safety communications and technology should head, what are your predictions? The nice thing about having a solution like FirstNet that's based on a standard, you know, gives us hope that we won't be uh, using an outdated system or technology for years to come, right? Uh, the hope is that you know that investment that goes in takes us from 4G or 5G or whatever the next generation of broadband communication technologies are, and which is a huge benefit to public safety. We're not just a voice-centric responders anymore. Our data has become a, a huge part of response now, right? So as an example, if we have police or fire EMS responders to an incident, yeah, we want to be able to make sure that we can not only monitor the communication of those devices, and be able to support them if they have an issue. It's not just radio communications anymore. Uh, our first responders are really heavily relying on data, not just voice, not just CAD, video, pictures, uh, text, backup to our radio systems. I mean, those are the kind of things that we're going to be looking to do. The ability to update a radio, hopefully remotely, in a much faster way than we've been able to do it um, using uh, broadband radio channels today. As we close out our podcast, Teddy, I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for emergency call centers around the nation that are thinking about FirstNet but haven't quite taken the plunge yet. What would you tell them? I think we, the district benefited because we were one of the early adopters going back years uh, when we were testing out broadband type solutions. So we had an inside look on what to expect. And I think when this happened, we fully started taking advantage of it. So my recommendation to any other you know, jurisdiction that's looking, potentially looking into switching it, that's a great solution. It's a standards-based solution. It is, there's investments that go into it. The system is going to be upgraded and maintained. We will get access to the newer technologies that is available in the, in the, in the commercial sector that would allow us to to do things much more efficiently and have more reliable communication capabilities, emergency mobile vehicle types um, in a reliable and secure uh, secure way. So that's, I would say that's my last thought. Well, it's been a really great conversation with you, Teddy. I appreciate your time and your insights and your advice. Thank you for joining us today, Teddy. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. We're excited to have you join our podcast community. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can learn more about the First Responder Network Authority at FirstNet.gov and learn about FirstNet products and services at FirstNet.com.